Well, I wasn't expecting to do this from a conference room in Olympic Valley, California. Hopefully I sound okay. But after driving this afternoon for about three hours, the Porzingis trade news came down. So we are going to give it to you before we get into all the stuff that we actually recorded early this morning. So we may have a few redundancies there uh, about things that aren't taken care of. Such like, I think we're talking about Wes Matthews as a trade can or something. So hopefully y'all can deal with that to give us a chance to talk about this Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. So let's start, Danny, with just the particulars as we now know them. This is a huge deal. So the Knicks trade Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke to Dallas. Dallas sends Dennis Smith Jr., Wes Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and two first round picks it looks like the first of those two which could convey as early as 2021 will be unprotected and then the second of those which could convey as early as 2023 will be top 10 protected we don't know subsequent protections conversions all that kind of stuff but it's amazing like i i think that the thing and it and it i've grown a lot more comfortable with this trade on the Knicks perspective especially with what the pick protections ended up being being very light that this is a massive risk in different ways for both of these teams yeah, I actually like it better for the Knicks. I mean, I, I think certainly there's an understanding as they now uh, have created, depending on which draft pick they get between 70 and $75 million in cap space, they could also, you would think, dump Frank Nielakina. So they've effectively got two max slots. That's what it's going to be this summer. Their team this summer is going to be just about nobody. It's Nielakina, Knox, Dennis Smith, but they also got those three first round or two first round picks in the future. So between Knox, Smith, still presumably you'll have some trade value. And I think on the Knicks, he might actually be able to increase that down the end of the year because he's going to get all he can eat. And then those two first round picks, you've got enough to maybe go and grab some other players in trade around the two max guys you think that they think they're going to get one of them obviously kevin durant 38 million whoever comes in in the other slot if that happens would be 32 million so that uses up your 70 million in space just about right there but i think a couple of things are being forgotten about here one is tim hardaway jr is some ugly salary and so is courtney lee i mean this is 30 million in if not dead money you know pretty darn dead money for next year and then another 18 million the year after that that dallas is taking out on this trade so they're giving up two first round picks i don't think that the knicks could have just moved hardaway and lee's salary into space at the cost of a first round pick so it's really almost like three maybe even four first round picks of value you know some of those picks wouldn't be that good that the mavs are giving up in this deal and then they're also giving up you know any cap space aspirations they would have had in 2019 2020 might be a slightly different story uh with barnes and powell expiring but what it goes back to here for me is did i miss this part of the season where like chris Tapp's porzingis returned and like looked awesome and it didn't get injured again and like wasn't ever going to get injured again in the future like did i miss that because i think this trade would be more appropriate if like he had just been never had the acl injury i would think of this as like somewhat of a reasonable price for him when you consider that you know a max contract or near max contract is likely forthcoming here Agreed. And we don't know. What, I mean, Porzingis is a gigantic human being. He's 7'3". Lower body injuries are scary for larger guys. Like, this is not the same as a smaller guy dealing with an ACL. And granted, that injury does not have the same stigma now that it did 
10 to 15 years ago. But for me, those th- it's not a navicular bone. It's not an, an Achilles tear or something like that. But it is still a significant injury, and we have not seen Porzingis on the court since since it happened. So there is a lot of risk there. There's also risk for the Dallas Mavericks, something that Shams Tranya reported after the reporting of the trade, but actually before the trade call. So I was wondering whether it would scuttle it, that Porzingis is still either intending or considering, you know, I've heard different wor- verbiage used there, taking his qualifying offer. And what that does for Dallas, sure, it lowers Porzingis's salary significantly below his capital. It would go to about $4.5 million for the 1920 season, but that puts them in a really tight bind because he would gain an implicit no trade clause for that season and he would be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2020. Yeah, except he's not going to do that. No, it's way too... That's so much bigger of a risk. I mean, I wrote a piece back in 2015 saying that Anthony Davis, incidentally, should do that, but Anthony Davis was better than Porzingis had been and wasn't coming off a significant injury. So, and he obviously didn't do it because players do not leave the amount of money on the table. And remember, this is not something where he can make it back. The money that he leaves on the table in 2019 20 is just gone. Yeah, and Porzingis, he's made maybe like, what, 20 million in his career, if that. And so, I mean, that's not insignificant to be sure. But, I mean, I would be shocked. I think the Joel Embiid contract will be a pretty good analog for what the talks are going to be like. I mean, I don't think Porzingis has played at the level that Embiid had played at when they agreed on that extension. But, you know, you could see something along the lines of there being an injury exclusion on that torn ACL knee and maybe some other injuries that he's had. But he's still, you know... I could see him still probably if he they offer him any less than 80 million guaranteed and then you know really like strict potential voids on future guarantees and you just you can't turn down that amount of guaranteed money nobody has ever done it Chris Apps is a little bit different of a guy certainly but that's really odd and then the other question I have too is like all right he didn't want to be in New York all right I totally get that that New York organization has been a clown show ever since he was drafted although they certainly seem to have a plan now but and he doesn't want to be in Dallas to play with Luka Doncic. I mean, like the Dallas has been a pretty decent organization. Uh, so, like, where does he want to be then? If, if you're, I mean, at this point in your career, you're locked in as a restricted free agent. It's just too big of a risk. I mean, the guy he may not even play this year, so he's going to do the qualifying offer after not having played it all this year. I mean, it just it seems very unlikely. And Woj pushing back on that, saying, you know, Chris Epps hasn't made any kind of a decision. He wants to get to know the Dallas organization. He supposedly loves Luka. In fact, he and Luka were talking last night at the game he loves jerk it's great for dallas that and i'm sure that has a lot to do with it that the player most often compared to jerk is porzingis and now he is a, a dallas maverick so uh, also interesting too that this supposedly started really quickly no coincidence the knicks and dallas actually played each other last night those guys were probably all in town and just like had the conversations in person they moved pretty quickly just like those del dumps flatty divots conversations uh, for the all-star game in uh 2017 um yeah so i don't know uh this this one this is a lot to give up i mean for me the knicks porzingis yeah he he was a lot of upside well think about it that the knicks instead of having to give up a bunch of first round draft picks to get off of those salaries and also porzingis i mean they probably think Porzingis' $17 million cap hold, they can get better value for that this summer because they're New York and they may have some intel that guys are coming. So like that $17 million in cap space, they might be one of the few teams that could actually do better with that. And now you get two first-round picks and you get off the salary instead of having to give up one or two first-round picks to to move Lee and move Hardaway 
or stretch those guys and have them on your books for longer i I love this for the knicks i love it now if they don't get anyone maybe it looks a little bit worse but you know porzingis i mean trying to i don't think porzingis coming off that torn acl was going to be like the draw for them to get free agents they've got a good young core they've got assets now and they've they if they don't do well in free agency this summer in theory they could roll that over and continue to try to build uh in a more sustainable way so i I like where they're at in terms of rebuilding they're also going to have the 2019 first rounder which is going to be pretty darn good looking as well another thing that they could maybe trade as well to try to uh, build around whoever they bring in in free agency and they have so many options now and i think that's worth giving up a porzingis at this point in time given the injury history given we don't know his level of performance he'd had a bunch of nagging injuries even before this he's sort of an unprecedented physical specimen as far as not getting hurt in the nba we have no idea how whether he's going to not get hurt again so i i you said it's a big risk for both sides i mean i agree with that to some degree but holding on to porzingis and giving him a big contract was a big risk too for the knicks so i actually like this much better for the knicks than i do for dallas uh, if there weren't two first round picks going then i might feel a little bit differently and also i you know we're more of a believer in smith than a lot of people are too the rest of the league his his value was down but you know getting him is not insignificant here either I had a big shift in this with the protection on it because you think about ranking the assets they got back. First of all, the cap space is something that they build in. But now Smith is just a piece of it because these two other picks, we don't know where Dallas is going to be in a few years. And I mean, hell, there's a chance Porzingis isn't even there. I mean, Doncic should be a a big part of it. Dallas has been a well-run organization for a while now, but they haven't been a consistently dominant organization. This is not, you know the Warriors or, you know, the Lakers after they signed LeBron giving up eventual first round picks or something like that. Dallas has not established themselves in that rarefied era. So there is upside here, especially for the unprotected pick, whatever year that ends up conveying, probably 21, maybe 22. And from, I want to talk a little bit about the on-court thing here, because I do love the fit if Porzingis is 100% or damn near close to it at some point. The Porzingis-Doncic fit is fascinating and fun. I mean, Carlisle, I have more confidence that he will use Porzingis at his natural position of center. Now the Mavericks do not really have much established there, so he'll have that opportunity. They could also play him with other bigs. They can do a lot of different things, but he's a wonderful pick and roll partner, and Porzingis has been a, a dominant rim protector at many points in his career. He's not a perfect defensive player, but there's a lot that you can do around those guys as a foundation, assuming Porzingis is healthy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, how it's going to fit on the floor with Doncic and Porzingis is really interesting. You know, I think I think they're probably going to play Porzingis at the four, in part to at least just say they're doing that because he wants to play at the four. All these guys want to play at the four. And Porzingis isn't really a great role man to the rim. And I think Doncic kind of needs that because he doesn't put a ton of pressure on the rim himself with his speed. Actually, ironically, someone like Dennis Smith Jr., who's not as good of a passer as Doncic and is faster, those type of penetrating guards to me work better with a pick-and-pop guy, whereas someone like Doncic works better with like a hard roll man to the rim because then that roll man isn't getting into his the way of his drives. He's better diming that guy up. Uh, so I think we may and also it's just easier to get a center too so i mean maybe we'll see chris Epps play some center but you know you could see them wanting to go you get another rim protector you put two real good defensive players out there get a lot of size and your defense could look really good so that's the way i see that going but it's just there's so much risk here with dallas i mean what if Porzingis just never comes back the same or you know or he's just going to play 55 games a year and 
Luka Doncic is really good and in the summer of 2020 they're going to have some cap space and I think they part of this too might be well you know we weren't getting any intel that anyone was coming here this summer so we might as well punt on the cap space for next year but yeah I mean I, I think where this breaks down for me is just that they're get, sending the two first round picks in addition to taking on the salary that's where I think I, I kind of lose it a little bit here. I know a lot of people will frame this in terms of the Knicks, you know, and they did. They made a huge bet on 2019 free agency. Dallas made a pretty significant bet on free agency as well, because now with these outstanding draft assets, and, you know, they they now basically have three first round pick obligations over the next five to seven years that they're going to add pieces around presumably Doncic and Porzingis through free agency. I mean, 2020 is probably going to be the time. We'll see what's going to happen here. And maybe, you know, if they jump into the top four in the lottery this year or something like that, they they can do it that way. But it's going to be harder, I think, than some people are anticipating for Dallas to significantly improve their team though this foundation is very intriguing because they need a ton of depth like this is this is not a team that is mo- that is basically all the way there and just needs to build around the the edges like this there's still a lot more realization actualization that needs to happen yeah uh, i think moxie kleba would be actually a really nice fit with porzingis um you know either of them could roll or pop or or spot up um and, and dorian finney smith is another one now they're we'll see what kind of contracts they can get those guys under in restricted free agency they won't really have the benefit of using those guys low cap holds to get more space this summer they could we could see them maybe try to trade harrison barnes uh, as well at some point here and certainly i mean kleba and finney smith are going to get a lot of time i think they're going to boost their value now uh, down the end of this year be interesting to see too whether porzingis even comes back it seems like he was kind of pushing because he wanted to play this year and you know the knicks weren't doing it, and that was yet another source of tension Whew, man i it's just especially you know if porzingis just like doesn't play one of those years and also a, another issue would be if the mavs pop into the top five this year and then that pick rolls over so to so, so the hawks the next year and then all these picks get pushed back now you're giving up an unprotected pick in 2022 which would be the high schoolers back in the draft year as it's scheduled right now or, or presumed to be right now that's a, a big issue also so i mean this could pay off like crazy for the mavs but man i mean this feels very like pelicans anthony davis like all right you know we're gonna trade for a guy who's gonna be a young veteran but you're giving up any chance to build around him with draft assets and get another star and you're trading for someone who's immediately going to become very expensive you know as the the pels kind of did with drew holiday and then of course they did the tyreek evidence sign and trade as well so they're building around a guy who's gonna be properly paid if not overpaid on this next deal we'll we'll see where it ends up so uh the Mavs I, I've always loved Porzingis uh, they've been European focused obviously Dirk could be a great mentor for him if he retires I'm sure he'll still be in the organization in some capacity getting paid you know 15 million dollars a year to do community outreach by Mark Cuban to make up for all those discounts that he took just kidding kind of can we talk a little bit more about the Knicks side of this now yeah so the Knicks have i mean from a basketball perspective they're basically an an empty canvas now i mean and except that they could theoretically try to do something with wes matthews and deandre jordan the problem there being that they basically have to take expiring contracts and expiring contracts of their valuation like their their sheer cost is difficult like it's going to be hard to do that a lot of the sour 16s still have another year left for example that's a, a a challenge here 
if one or both of those guys do not get traded, they also have a massive impact on the buyout market because they would become two of the stronger players available. And then the Knicks long-term, they might end up, you know, in their best case scenarios, think about this kind of how I used to gush over this what the Sixers did under Sam Hinkie, where they had this vision where they were getting all these young players and then they had picks after that stage that could add to their talent level and be young cost-controlled pieces for later on. The best case scenario for for the Knicks is incredibly rosy. It could be they get two max caliber players and then they have these picks co- and their own first round pick this year, which could be, you know, if they draft well, it could be a very good player, Dennis Smith. And then they could have these maps picks. They could be a huge just boon as they're getting stronger later on. Yeah, I, I really just think Porzingis, to me, was always overrated, even when healthy. And there always were these health concerns. And now uh, this torn ACL, it's just, a, I think the Knicks did incredibly well here. I think this is pretty visionary. And okay, they might have egg on their face if they strike out in free agency this year. They certainly seem to think that KD is coming. And if KD goes there, you would have to think that being the Knicks, that they're would be able to get one other guy, even if it's, you know, a Jimmy Butler type or something like that. I mean, so, uh, and then you still have Smith, who's a young guy, and you've got lots of ways to continue to build the team. They still still have Mitchell Robinson as well. He could grow into, you know, a starting center who could be a real nice role player for them. Knox isn't really going to fit that well, though. I thought it was interesting that Knox viewed KD as his idol. So uh, certainly if you're Golden State, you can't feel very good about these developments because uh, it does seem like the Knicks are very much of the belief that KD is coming and the Celtics can't feel good about it either you know maybe that Kyrie would go there and now there's a lot of pressure on the Celtics if they flame out like in the second round this year how's that going to look to Kyrie oh man I mean this is just so awesome I love this league it's so good I'll mention also before I don't know how much more we want to get into that I have a piece breaking this down and it was crazy because my thoughts on the trade kept on changing as we got more details including the first round picks I have a piece at the athletic that works through a lot of it as well so you can can read that though I'm still processing it as we're talking about it now it's 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 remarkable how perceptions of like this trade the perceptions of it could change just dramatically multiple times over the next three to four years oh yeah i mean all right so let's let's just get on record with it right now though who won this trade (sighs) i don't like that framing because it's very possible that both teams do sure if i were if i were to bet i think i will end up liking this trade more from the knicks perspective than the mavericks perspective and i think it could be significantly more and that shocks me based on the early reporting yeah i i had the benefit of just being in the car and so i didn't see the terms until they were final so i i didn't have that kind of pre-existing expectation but yeah i mean this this does seem like i don't want to say a panic move for dallas but just a very risky move with when you just drafted this guy who you think might be this generational talent and you just put a shitload of eggs in this one basket with porzingis that is a a very interesting decision and i still think you know to me porzingis i've said this for a long time i don't know that he maybe i saw his ceiling when healthy as sort of a lower end top 20 type of player and even if your core is porzingis and luca fully formed and role players i'm not sure that that even necessarily gets you to where you want to be and you're just you've lost so many outs now and you don't really have a great idea of what fits with Luca or what he's going to be two or three years from now 
how good he's going to be. It is extremely, and you you have you had all these paths, and now you have really narrowed it. And the loss of flexibility, I, I really wonder about it. It could turn out amazingly well. Who knows? And maybe the Knicks will not get anybody in free agency, and we'll just laugh at them being the Knicks again. But I do think that this looks pretty good. And to have the ability to have future draft capital, they still have that 2019 first round pick. That I mean, God, who knows? What can you imagine if that became the the number one overall? Pick? like how good they'd be looking at that point so yeah there's a the sky is the limit for the Knicks and I think you can't say that as much about the Mavericks now that they've made this deal I think that would be my conclusion it's certainly very possible that the Mavericks could wind up winning this deal you know that that is not impossible to me in the slightest so I'm not saying that like this is just so obvious to me and there's and there's plenty of deals we thought one team won them and and we turned out to be wrong about but my feeling right now is that the Knicks uh, did pretty well here and uh, I can't wait to see what all these guys are going to look like in Dallas and, and what happens this summer. I mean, this is really whetted the the appetite. And then there's the Anthony Davis sweepstakes as well. Obviously, the Knicks are not going to trade for AD now, probably, unless they get you know the number one overall pick and try and do that. And then even then, matching the salary, they wouldn't really have anything to match salary. So the Knicks AD dream is probably over, but I think they still are looking pretty good for this offseason right now. All right, we'll get back into our discussion that we recorded earlier here in a moment and apologize if there are any things that are obsolete now, but we figure we'll just give you the content here. So thanks for listening. And I shouldn't sign off because we're about to talk for like another hour and 20 minutes right now. Time to wrap up our look at the divisions at the trade deadline with the Northwest here. And then we also, at the end, we want to give our predictions on what happens with AD. Just get on record with this since we're kind of doing these fun prediction type of things. We're going to pick the five most likely teams to make a trade, the five least likely teams to make a trade, and we'll just mess around and predict how many trades we're actually going to see at between now and the deadline. So that'll be kind of fun. Where would you like to start in the Northwest Division? Mr. LaRue. Well, it's funny because I had so many of these teams in the mock trade deadline, so I've been thinking about them from a variety of contexts. And I'll start with the one that I had kind of the most fun doing for that exercise, and that was the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets have a couple of different constraints compared to most teams. So they're 6.4 million below the tax, but they have just a ton of big trade exceptions because in the offseason, they traded Ken Fareed, they traded Wilson Chandler, and they traded Darrell Arthur. So they, they have these gigantic trade exceptions. They do not have a ton of spending power for free agents. They have a little bit over a million of their mid-level. Some might remember that part of the reason they have that little spending power is because they messed up the timing of the transactions they made. Yeah. And so by using the, they use the taxpayer mid-level on Tory Craig, and then I believe they used part of it on Jared Vanderbilt as well. And since the way it was done is a distinction, they then moved under the tax with the Darrell Arthur deal. And so then they didn't have the full use of the MLE and the BAE. But but why I actually am happy about that and was for the mock off season or mock trade deadline is because giving them only trade mechanisms for this is actually kind of freeing. And that's what led to the idea of, okay, how, how should they use these trade exceptions in the wiggle room they have under the tax to make this team better since they're having such a great season? Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. What do you think uh, are their team needs? I would love to see a defensive forward who can body up some of the best guys in the league. Those are 
not coincidentally on a lot of the best teams and if denver yeah. has lofty aspirations, you're thinking more of a, well, a wing guy though more a wing than, yeah yeah i mean well it can be a yeah, i mean they some got teams are used, already yeah know. but but really that that kind of the guy who you're going to throw on the kevin durant's lebron james Kawhi leonard's of the world yeah because they're putting themselves in the rarefied air as we record this denver has the second lowest loss total in the western conference that's fantastic and they've dealt with a lot of injuries so far this year so if you want to think about it in that context that's why i went after i you know rodney magruder's not perfect but it's going to be really hard to get that player and with denver they can approach 2019 very differently and it would be useful for them to have a clear idea of whether they want to be a cap space team or not i'm thinking they will not be because then they can be a little bit less reluctant to take on money if it's the right guy i mean you don't want to do it just because you can but if it's the right player by all means they they should because if they have to get under the tax for ownership reasons or whatever it's it's easier to do that yeah, from a base of good chance, players on the odd chance they might have to get under the tax yeah yeah, and a, and a lot of that will depend on how much Paul Millsap commands. You know, they can decline the option and try to get him at a more reasonable salary. They could even functionally pre-negotiate that if they want to. I mean, that'd be that that's fine. And I'm not as worried now about them. Oh my, oh my God, we have to pay Trey Lyles. Not only because Wancho has had this good year, but also because at some point, presumably they're going to get Michael Porter Jr. back and he doesn't exactly fill the same role as Trey Lyles. But if you have multiple options at the backup four, one of them will hopefully stick. Yeah, to go through their cap situation for next year, Millsap, $30 million team option that will almost certainly be declined. I guess they could in theory. Uh, the problem is that it's not a non guarantee which messes up the timing they have to decide before june 29th but the good news is if you decline the team option you could always bring him back if you waive him you know that's uh, unlikely to happen so well I'll, I'll make sure people say it's not a waiver situation he doesn't have to go through waivers you just decline the oh i get what you're saying sorry yeah yeah if you had to waive him because he were non-guaranteed um so but they've got 17.9 million without Millsap, without that trey lyle's cap hold of 10 million which would be required to make him a restricted free agent in addition to the qualifying offer so even if they exercise that Millsap option they'd be 13 million dollars over the cap they'd probably be getting close to the tax they'd kind of they'd be limited they probably couldn't use the full mid-level in that instance unless they were to cut other salary and you mentioned lyles i mean i don't think lyles is particularly exciting you know i i see him as a four or five million dollar a year type of player off their bench and hopefully if porter can play they've still got hernan gomez he's been struggling lately but he showed a lot early in the season they've got tory craig under contract for next year so I, I don't they've got jared vanderbilt they could maybe try and play as well so yeah i think of wiles as pretty expendable so i agree with you if they can get something for him even if it were like a second round pick they should do that i'm not sure that offer is out there for trey lyles uh, frankly i mean there's a lot of depth at power forward there, i don't think there are a ton of teams that need like great score i mean lyles had some moments last year when he was really bombing it from from three but he hasn't been as effective lately obviously hasn't been featured as much either and, and then i think you know the question to me is if they're going to be more aggressive they've already traded their 2019 first rounder in the kenneth Fareed deal they're out some seconds now because they use those to move on from wilson chandler so they don't have a ton of draft capital here and, and as of this moment the earliest pick they could trade would be a 2021 selection since they are out that pick uh in 2019 obviously once the draft occurs then you can trade uh, the 2020 if you want to so 
I don't foresee them really making a move to get someone who's going to be an impact player on this team going forward. I, I just don't see who that would be. I don't see if they take on salary for next year, I wouldn't see it being more than like $5 million. You know, I, I would be shocked if it were more than that. So, I, I mean, I do think they have the ability to bring back Millsap at a, a more reasonable number, maybe like a $20 million number, like two year, $20 million deal for him might be more reasonable. Um, but, you know, he'll have the freedom to go wherever he wants to if they decline that option. Um, I mean, is there anyone who's like an expiring contract that just going to be kind of available that you should think they should target other than rodney magruder <laughs> yeah no i mean that that's one that would be great right with the low cap hold they could use the restricted rights on him now magruder isn't quite as big as you might want on the wing i mean i think tory craig is probably a little bit better of a matchup for your kevin durant's type of guys that you're going to be facing Millsap will probably guard lebron james if they match up with the Lakers, Millsap maybe not the best choice on Paul George. You know, they need someone with more size if they're to match up against the Thunder, for example. It would be nice to have someone with a little more length that you could put on the opposing point guard as well if it's like a Dame Lillard type and they don't have threatening wing players. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's one and they do have the ability to get Miami out of the tax. I thought you got a pretty cheap price there. I thought to get Magruder, you might have to throw in a little bit more. I think it was what, a second round pick swap you did as well? Yeah, in a deep year, whatever whatever one they have available. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I I thought that was a a smart move and the ability to just get Miami completely out of the tax. The other problem with that, though, is you might say that Ellington has value. You know, he's not just dead salary, but there's also just so many limited options for the Heat to get completely out of the tax that you know they might just say hey you know what i know he has value but there's nowhere else we can send him um and i don't i don't think ellington would really play much for denver maybe he could well, be rerouted to a third yeah team. and that's exactly what i was going to say i didn't have time to do it in the mock off season but he could be rerouted a number of different ways but for a team that did not have the that could not handle the constraint of taking ellington on without sending any salary back like there are teams that'd be interested in him but they just can't do that part of the story no and i think i mean and even if it were just a, a second rounder straight up that they had to give to Miami uh, you know I think I would do that deal absolutely for Magruder if I could get him he's not exactly what they need but you know giving them another option there would be pretty good now it's possible that he would just not play over but I think Craig in particular is someone who really just is not going to be able to play in the playoffs, not going to get guard. He shot it a little better this year, but he's still, you know, a 30 percenter. And it seems like those type of guys tend to shoot worse in the playoffs. That might just be anecdotal and, and my recollection. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've talked about this before. Anybody with any kind of three and D ability who's an expiring contract is pretty much already on a good team. So it doesn't really make a, a ton of sense. I mean, they, and Denver also, their problem is they don't really have hardly any expiring contract either that they can send out other than Lyles he he's really the only one Millsap they obviously need to hold on to this whole team is basically back next year other than Millsap and Lyles so um yeah I mean uh, you know Dorian Finney-Smith would be someone else they could target but I think the Mavs value him more than the uh Nuggets would be willing to give up and I have one to throw throw at you okay Jonathan Simmons imperfect but at least as an option that he might be again offensively he might be worse offensively than Craig at this point it's possible he's shooting a lot worse he's like 21 percent from three he's atrocious i mean he's got he's got more of a drive game 
but uh yeah. you know i think he's he's dropped off a little bit athletically since his spurs days as well i mean that, that's a thought um so you're thinking like lyles for simmons well no i'm thinking simmons into their exception oh just take him yeah yeah well i mean because they, 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 they have the tower to... well they have the tower lighten yeah. thing i mean I, the magic could actually maybe use lyles to something and they have a billion power forwards but it's they could always use some more offense uh, on that team um are you most likely to be traded here i'm gonna go with tyler lyden it's it's the move that makes sense you just find another team that can take him on pay his remaining season salary it's not really that big a deal now they're less likely to do that than let's say what houston did earlier with mcw and carmelo anthony but it's probably him or lyles and considering they like lyles and all the the baggage from the donovan mitchell trade i i think it's less likely that he gets moved yeah and isaiah thomas is another guy who yeah i mean if he were playing right now i think he could get moved but it seems more likely to me that he would just get waived prior to march 1st and another team would pick him up that he doesn't have any trade value right now and of course neither does line but they don't have i mean there's no idea where like oh you get his money off your books and now you've saved a bunch of luxury tax i mean they, they still have enough operating room below the tax and i don't think there's any reason to like trade lighted and pay cash uh lighten also couldn't just be moved to any team it'd have to be a team with some sort of trade exception or something would have to come back uh, with his 1.9 million dollar salary but that was a rookie scale contract it doesn't fit into a minimum exception but there are plenty of teams with small trade exceptions i i so i guess i would say if i had to pick the most likely player i would say lyle's but I by I think it's very likely that this team doesn't make any moves at all. I would agree with that. Okay, much more to get to here. But first, this from Blue Chew bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-improved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. The beauty of them is because they're chewable, they actually work up to twice as fast as a pill. They get ground down and your stomach is able to act on it more quickly. You can take them anytime, day or night, and you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. This isn't just for guys who have dysfunction it's for any guy who wants to enhance their bedroom experience the other thing that makes blue chew better than getting a prescription at the doctor's office is it's prescribed online and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package there's no in-person doctor's visit no waiting at the pharmacy and best of all no more awkwardness it's made in the usa and since it ships direct it is cheaper than a pharmacy the way to get started with them is to visit blue chew b-l-u-c-h-e-w.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code capspace easy to remember we talk about it all the time in the program you just pay five dollars shipping that's blue chew b-l-u chew dot com promo code capspace to try it for free just five dollars shipping blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice let's move now to okc the biggest thing for them is their 21.8 million dollars over the tax their tax payment or payment projects I don't know what a maimant is projects to be massive as of now 51.9 million dollars and they do at least have some salaries that seem like they would make sense to be moved uh tlc is 1.5 million that's not a minimum contract though he, he's a rookie contract where his fourth year option was declined and they've got alex sabrina's making 5.5 million who's uh, basically been out of the rotation he was injured and, and had a, a personal absence but you know for that price if they were able to just move on from abrinas for nothing that would save them oh nothing major about 25 million bucks 
it would actually save them even more than that because they're a repeater. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I so was saved- looking at the wrong column. I was I was looking at my uh, tax paid, not repeated tax paid. Okay, so they're right now seventy three point eight million dollars over the tax. And if they were to trade a premiums for nothing, some of these savings would be lost when they just brought guys in because they're only at fourteen roster spots anywhere right now. So they'd have to at least get up to fourteen. So they'd lose a little bit of the savings, but their tax payment would go from seventy three million down to 49 million so you save 24 million there and then you also save the remainder of his salary in actual cash which is you know it's about two million bucks or so so yeah 25 million was pretty close to right there as it turned out um and in terms of cash if they want it i mean we talked about denver as a team with the trade exception that could take him in they're good so maybe they wouldn't be necessarily looking to do that sacramento is another team that could take him on Although that's a little different because they're using up cap space instead of being over the cap. There's a big opportunity cost there for them. And OKC has enough cash to pay his salary. They have about $3 million remaining. So that would get it done. Maybe even be able to give another team a a little bit of profit. Remember, you have 5.2 million is the most you can either send or receive. And they're two separate numbers there. So the question becomes then, can you get off of Abrinas for more than cash? Generally, if you're trading a guy with that big of a salary, it does take more than that. Fortunately for Oklahoma City, they're a little bit less impacted in terms of second round draft picks. So they have these twin obligations moving forward in terms of first round picks. They have the Jeremy Grant trade obligation, which is now in Orlando, incidentally, where Jeremy Grant's brother plays. And that means that if their pick is 21 to 30 in 2020, then that pick goes to the Orlando Magic. And then they have a, and and it converts into seconds if it's not that. So I guess their second rounders are a little less available. And then they also have this 2022 first that goes to Atlanta if the Thunder make the playoffs in that season. So it's very hard for OKC to trade a first round pick, but there might be some pathways to trading a second. Yeah. And a first round pick would be too much just in terms of the the straight value play. So I mean, Abrinas is a shooter. He doesn't do much else. What do you think these guys need if they were going to actually try and upgrade? Now, they seem like much more likely to be a buyout destination, but maybe you could say Abrinas would be in a trade. They throw in some cash and maybe they get back someone who could help them a little bit. Um, I think maybe one conception of a deal like that, I guess they're hurt by the fact that Sacramento is kind of still in it. You know, Shumpert is playing for them, Bogdanovich healed. I mean, I think Shumpert is someone who could potentially start for this team. I know that Ferguson is playing better lately, but you know, I don't think he's as good as Shumpert on either end. And, but Shumpert makes 10 million. And so that probably doesn't really work out. Um, and they don't want to take on extra salary. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about there. This has not been a good section for me so far. Um, how about I let you talk about what kind of trades you're thinking about for them? The Thunder are pretty well off, at least at full strength, at the, at the one and the five. I mean, Adams and Noel have both played well this year. What Russ and, and Schroeder, Schroeder has done well as the Russ replacement. You know, I, I've talked about how my criticism of his contract, but he has, has been valuable for them this year. So you really are looking in that two to four range. Ideally, somebody who shot you after respect but you have this challenge if i mean defining success oklahoma city is about the playoffs that the goal would be to have somebody who can stay on the floor and that is as much about the size of their strengths as it is the severity of their weaknesses and so a lot of the guys who are good enough shooters
players to be available. Also, I mean, Corver is a great example of this. He's really helped the Jazz, but he'll be tough in playoff series because of his deficiencies. He is a smart defender, but you know, you get into that. So can OKC find somebody who can space the floor, but not kill them on the other end? Yeah, a conception that I had posited before was Abrinas going somewhere that would just take on his salary and then as part of a three-way with the Heat where they could pick up Ellington. Ellington, I think, would start for OKC. He does have his defensive deficiencies as well. Maybe you would say that Rodney Hood might be able to help this team uh, on the second unit. He has a no-trade that uh, he would have to waive uh, as a guy who took his qualifying offer. Reggie Bullock, probably not going to be available for the type of price that they could pay, and, and he's still contributing for the Pistons so that's a tough one there Garrett Temple is probably too expensive although he's someone who might actually be able to start for them at the two I mean that that's an interesting one Abrinas would obviously be in that deal and aside from that they don't have a ton of other expendable stars TLC could probably be in that deal uh, as well grizzlies might have to waive someone to make that happen and that's one of the problems here too is that if you're doing a two-for-one trade as okc you can't take back anyone because you're going to then be responsible for that salary or there's got to be a third team that's involved with some of that salary to just take it uh, and maybe some cash going from okc uh, as well but temple is an interesting one but that's another one where maybe he's just there in the buyout market and, and they try to get him that way he doesn't necessarily fill the biggest need positionally but i think anthony tolliver would be a worthwhile guy for them to kick the tires on depending on how i mean he's basically been buried in minnesota though he did close their game on wednesday yeah. night he's actually playing now with some of the injuries they have but yeah, yeah I mean, but he, he, he might sense. not be forever yeah i agree yeah i mean he's he's pretty similar with patterson um let me ask you this if you could get like say a garrett temple type of guy would you be willing to include Hamadou Diallo in that deal? Or is he like too valuable for you to, to move in a like short-term upgrade type of thing? Although they could look to re-sign someone like Temple, potentially. The the tax concerns are always there, but uh, they would have his bird rights. I really like Diallo. I mean, his, his physical potential is certainly there. And he's on a team-friendly contract for two more seasons he's fully guaranteed at the minimum for next year and then in his third season it's not it's a team option and then he would be restricted after that so actually you could have him be restricted either at either point i don't think i would because temple he helps but I don't know if he helps enough. You know, I, I think that probably, be, especially because that would presumably come with even more spending, which I mean, you could justify it for the right guy, but I, I don't think he's good enough for me to justify that. Maybe you hope that he gets bought out and then can yeah. get him for the for the minimum for the remainder of the year. I and mean, they, they generally don't think this way, but maybe something they could think of, especially with Ferguson playing better, would be to try to package him and Abrinas to get someone who could be like a longer term starter past this year you know who makes something in that type of salary band who would be good that's just a a thought who that is i mean you know someone who's like the eight million dollar a year version of kent Bazemore, but that would have to be a pretty big upgrade i think ferguson has shown some signs he's young the fact that he's starting on this team at his age he's under rookie scale contract at very cheap for the next couple of years so it would have to be something pretty sexy for me to want to move on from ferguson as the bait you know i think he's more valuable than maybe even some of their first rounders in the future that they can't really trade anyway and or you know certainly their seconds that could be available or diallo anything else you want to talk about uh, on these one quick thing because i looked it up a strange quirk in the way sam presti negotiated those two protected first round pick trades okc can actually trade their 2020 and 21 second round picks because the even though that's after the obligation with orlando 
those picks that convert aren't until 22 and 23. So they could theoretically move an earlier pick if they wanted to. And that, I, I mean, their picks aren't great because because they're a very, very good team. But that is kind of fortuitous for them that it's not, you know, like, oh, it's a six-year-out second-round pick or something like that. Most likely to be traded? Abrinas, right? Yeah, I think it has to be. All right, let's talk Portland here. They are into the tax, $7.9 million over. They do have some exceptions available, $3.5 million for the Noah Vonley trade that they made with the Bulls. That was right at the trade deadline last year to try to get them out of the tax. So when precisely does that expire? Does that expire like the day before the trade deadline or, or does it go a little bit later? I think it's right around then. Here, let me actually look it up and do the right thing here for once. I'm seeing that it expires on the 8th, which would be the day after the deadline. How convenient. Well, that is an advantage of tying having the deadline on a Thursday every year because it does that that does mean that they don't expire a day early and they expire a day later, which is good. Yeah, that is nice. Okay, so that's available. They could take on up to a $3.5 million salary. Don't necessarily see them doing that. As of now, their tax payment projects at $12.6 million. Just to start off with here, are there any deals that you think would make sense to just reduce that payment? There's not much to me in terms of just like ways to cut money, you know, maybe just moving on from Nick Stauskas and paying his salary and then just taking on zone for the minimum. You know, they could cut around the margins there a little bit. Um, since Stauskas has fallen out of the rotation, he's been injured lately. That that might be one way. And then the other one is, you know, is there a move maybe with Myers Leonard? I think Turner is unless they can get a replacement for him they probably view him as too important um you know maybe they could try and dump caleb swanigan on somebody as well but they probably have to pay a price to, to do that since he's got two million for next year so i mean like you could say maybe myers leonard to the kings that might be one but they would have to pay something obviously in terms of draft assets there but that would get them completely out of the tax and and the kings could just straight up take him i don't know if portland is willing to give up a first for that especially because turn i mean leonard yeah. has been well, well keep in mind he makes 10 million next year too right that's why it would that's why i think it would take a first um yeah. well maybe they, could they get back someone who makes less who could play from the Kings? the kings don't really just have anybody who's particularly expendable at this point in time though do they who would actually they, help another team because no, they have so many guys on rookie scale contracts i mean i think they have seven yeah. or eight guys on the on those kind of deals right now which is which is tough and portland could look to you know just kind of they've already made their bed for this season do those more marginal things like with with Stauskas, effectively you replace that 1.5 million dollar cap hit with somebody for the rest of the season contract but portland i think they really like a lot of the players on their roster this is a team that has been these players have been selected by neil o'shea so you don't have any of that oh it's the old regime we don't have any connection with these players you know wade baldwin hasn't been playing a lot but olshay picked wade baldwin and chose to have him on this team his contract guaranteed in july i believe it was so so you have those kinds of decisions that are still weighing on olshay that he he, he made like caleb swanigan's another good example of that he chose caleb swanigan in the first round of the draft so i could absolutely see portland you know maybe if the asking price was lower than we we've really thought for getting off of some bad money maybe they do it but for me the more likely path there is that they wait until the summer of 2019 and then they will take a look at where their team is see if they want to make any bigger moves you know like if they want to do anything with with nurk or heaven forbid dame or cj and then you go okay how much money would we pay in the tax what would it be now like i i think they're probably and it's hard to say due to paul allen's passing but i'm guessing that they'll take it for this year and then see where they are in july 
So what we did for them in the mock trade deadline, and by the way, spoiler alert here, if you haven't listened to that yet, was, and I wasn't involved in this one, but Nikola Miritich from the Pelicans, it seems like Nikola is going to be eminently available now because he's an expiring contract and looks like they're moving in a new direction and you know, there's this AD issue and he could get shut down for the rest of the year. So Miritich would be awesome for them. I mean, they really, we've seen how successful trapping Damon CJ has been because they just don't have enough shooting to make them pay with guys like Turner, Aminu, even Harkless, who has been in and out of the lineup. In that trade, we moved Harkless to the Kings. The Kings just took Harkless into their space and Harkless could maybe help the Kings. You know, I I still think Harkless is an important part of what they're going to need to do, but something that could help minimize Turner's role, I think would be great. And Miritich to me is a really good option. Is giving up a first rounder too much for him? Eh, You're probably going to quibble about the protections there to be sure. Or maybe this ends up being one of those ones where you trade Myers Leonard for Miritich and you trade your first rounder unprotected. And that would potentially give you room to re-sign Miritich next year. And if it's a first is too much to give up for Miritich, well then getting off a 10 million of Myers Leonard salary. That ironically enough, that deal, although the Blazers probably project to have a higher draft pick than the Pels did at the time they made the Miritich trade last year. But that conception would be almost identical to what the Bulls and Pels did where you get Miritich and then you give up a guy who has 10 million in salary due the next year but the only difference is Miritich was under contract for the year after that he opt ended up opting in and so the Pels the Pels actually wanted him to not opt in so that they would have more flexibility to re-sign Cousins but he ended up opting in they didn't view that as a positive i sure as hell viewed it as a positive they could have him in our contract for the next year and he's been good this year when he hasn't been hurt which has been a big part of why their season has been torpedoed so yeah it, it would be i mean certainly the value has been established for what trading for nikola mirtich is and they would be very similar to what the pels traded to, to get him to begin with that also gets into a question that I dealt with running them in the in the Matre deadline, which is how much do you want to compensate for an upgrade this year, getting off of bad salary? And the Harkless part of it, I, I kind of feel when I thought about it in hindsight, like I gave up too much overall in that deal that Harkless plus a first because Harkless is so much better of a player. Yeah. But I also couldn't figure out how to divvy up the assets because if you throw Myers Leonard, Sacramento is going to say, hey, we want an asset. And Muratich, I mean, yeah. they see him as as a value piece so it was kind of the apportioning would have been hard but I think Miritich was a big enough upgrade he, he makes a lot of things work better and I, and I think defensively he Miritich is a little bit underrated European players sometimes get that stigma of like they all suck defensively and Miritich is far from perfect but he competes on the defensive glass I think he executes better defensively than a, a lot of a lot of offense first power forwards so that would fit in pretty well for me with Portland and yeah they would have a need at the three and and that's a whole big problem but Harkless, I mean, both both Harkless and Miritich have had trouble staying on the floor, but Harkless has had a lot more trouble. A big problem for the Blazers is it won't really be possible for them. They have few expiring contracts as well, and the guys that they do are in their rotation. Aminu is their biggest expiring contract. So any trade that they're going to make for a guy who's, I mean, most of the guys who are expiring contracts who are good, you know, are going to make 10 million or more. Miritich is a perfect example. So you really can't make the trade for someone like that without taking sending back 
salary that's bad for next year and so is sending back bad salary plus a first enough to get someone who's gonna move the needle for you you know i think miritich would do that for them assuming that he could stay healthy i mean just they really need that one bomber shooter that could just open things up for them so much like these guys would be absolutely unstoppable offensively with nurkic screening and rolling to the rim cj miritich on the perimeter i mean dame lillard look finally i mean what a dream that would be for lillard he's never played with like any kind of a stretch for before who's really going to knock shots down i mean you know myers leonard is, is you know he's known nikola miritich on either end of the floor so that's one that i think makes a lot of sense i think there will be competition for miritich's services philly is one that comes to mind that's that's what happened in the mock deadline i would love for them to just not be dependent on evan turner anymore i don't see a realistic deal out there for him especially because a lot of these teams with guys on expiring contracts don't want to take on money for next year like you know turner for west matthews returning to portland would be great but dallas is not be interested in taking on that salary even i think even if they do get a first round pick um you know, maybe maybe these guys could be a Bazemore destination. I think Bazemore is a little too small for what they need, though, in terms of defense on the wing. Anybody, any other names that come to mind that you would try to focus on if you were them? What about uh, what about Harrison Barnes? Do you have any interest in him? Again, though, you're going to have to send back salary, and, and Dallas isn't going to want to do that, though. So that's another, that's another I, I think problem. it's too hard to make the money work because, yeah. and and they would have to be sending back fully guaranteed salary, and maybe Dallas is thinking that the the flexibility of Harrison Barnes' player option gives them more of an out. But intuitively, as a fit, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, and then the other conception is your Dorian Finney-Smith, Rodney Magruder guy who makes such small amount of money, and that you could then use his restricted rights to keep him on the team. Would you give up a first for that kind of guy if you're Portland? Doesn't seem like people are going to be that aggressive for those type of a name, but you know that's one that they could try to think about also. But I do think this team, I and mean, there's been reporting that they're going to be aggressive. I think they're going to look hard to try to find some upgrades. It's just tough matching the salary when you're not only do you have to give up value just to get the guy and his value but now you also have to deal with the fact that you're sending back shitty money to the other team compounding all that is the reality that there so if if we pretend that alfaruk aminu and seth curry both count at nothing and i'll include layman's restricted hold they're really close to the luxury tax line that doesn't include for, Portland for next Poland year zone for for next year right so if you add on somebody like rodney magruder or dorian finney smith sure you gain the benefit of they have a low cap hold but that player at whatever their salary ends up being that's gonna become even more expensive unless they make some of those other moves and this can't happen right now because teams are too optimistic with their space but something that i think might be open for portland next summer or even next fall would be a trade where they downgrade in talent to somebody who's like basically dead money but is cheaper and that they could get close to the tax that way but they can't make those sorts of moves right now or even really for this season because of the structure of their salaries we talked about yeah and their future tax appetite i think is going to be really interesting now i do think trading for one of those restricted guys is useful just because you need someone in that role anyway if you're going to be competing and so using their restricted rights to keep the price tag down is helpful also, they'll have the option next year of stretching Myers Leonard as well. I mean, I still think that they value Turner enough as like an important part of the rotation. They wouldn't want to just dump him for nothing. I think that's foolish, personally. Uh, they could easily find, I think, his production elsewhere, or at least, you know, something close to it for four million bucks a year instead of 18 but and so we just don't know both in terms of how good this team is going to be what they do in the playoffs 
whether Dame Lillard even wants to be there anymore after this year um and then also ownership's appetite for paying the tax and having an expensive team when it, there's been indications that uh, with the passing of Paul Allen that this team is going to get sold and so do you want to really be that expensive and you know you're probably going to be unprofitable if you're in the tax in this type of a market you know that doesn't look great for trying to sell the team um what's their best ad offer they have any chance i mean obviously cj has got to be in that they don't have much else besides him that's going to be too sexy though you know zach collins anthony simons some picks not really competitive as far as i'm concerned i mean i i would certainly offer everything that's not dame lillard to try and get him and you can always if it doesn't work out with dame and ad then you're just going to rebuild anyway i mean that's that's coming for these guys in a couple of years probably anyway so you might as well just go for it now to get ad and just if he leaves he leaves in 2020 he at least had him for a year and a half but i i don't think that they have i mean we'll see maybe new orleans is really into cj mccollum but that's the i think the only way that um that that would happen you know i think a team like if you're looking for like the dark horses a team like Toronto can put together a better package to me. But, you know, maybe they really love CJ. It gets at the speculative nature of this because, yeah, if Dell Demps likes what Portland has, then then they're a contender in this. CJ and Drew Holiday would be a really, really fun backcourt if they want to start competing. But as you said, not many sweeteners from Portland's perspective. Their first round picks aren't, you know, they're, they're fine, but they don't have any of those like premium assets. And another challenge for Portland in terms of doing a value trade is that their players on rookie scale contracts aren't particularly impressing even relative to draft slots so you know Zach Collins is fine I I haven't loved what he's done this year people seem to like him other people seem to like him more than us but I agree I mean I think he I'm not even buying him as a future starter at center and we know how uh not valuable centers are unless they're real superstars Simons basically hasn't played Biggie Swanigan basically hasn't played Layman is a pending restricted free agent he's certainly had some had some signs and then Gary Trent Jr. is another. I was like, oh yeah, they drafted two shooting guards, and neither one of those guys has really been in the rotation this year. Yeah, Gary Trent Jr. is on this team, by the way. Um, okay, let's finish up. Most likely player to be traded. I'm going to go with Stauskas. I mean, there are the financial implications here. He's pretty much out of the rotation. They can do something where it wouldn't cost them really any assets. So I think he's the most likely. Yeah, you could pay his salary and a little bit of a sweetener, and then even if you sign, so I mean, they're at 15 right now, so they could just go down to 14, or you sign someone for the rest of the season uh, and you would save you know probably a million bucks or so just by doing that and then i would say number two would be myers leonard i think if there is a bigger move to be made he's got to be the matching salary that goes up number three would probably be harkless to me turner probably makes too much to be in a deal like that okay utah i think we don't won't need to spend quite as much time on these guys they've made their move already with corver we did move mike conley there during the mock off season though and that doesn't seem like that much of a utah move i also uh, it seems like they don't believe that donovan mitchell is the point guard of the future this year but you know he has thrived personally and and they've started playing better on offense recently as well so maybe they just feel like they want to play mitchell with some wings but you need some more playmaking on the wing anyway i would kick the tires on conley to be sure if i were them the price ended up being basically dante exum ricky rubio and a first which was uh, you know lottery protected or unprotected or something you know this year's first um that seems like the right price for me for conley i would do that deal as the jazz i don't know if Me- I, I would do it as memphis i don't think memphis will do it for that in reality they might require more or think that there should be more uh, what do you think of that would you do that as utah you did it as utah right or, or was that i did uh, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, that... so so we, we we both agree that's a, a good deal. It it just doesn't seem right though somehow, does it? With, well, just with the mindset of those two franchises. One of the big reasons why it doesn't is because Utah gave Dante Exum the contract very recently, and I think of him, especially because he's missed so much time. I think of that as a negative value contract. I do not think Dennis Lindsay feels that way because Dennis Lindsay gave him that deal, and Exum hasn't done much to change expectations other than you know still missing time. But that is my expectation. Memphis. Again, that would be a good deal for. I think that's a good deal for them for a variety of reasons. Something they could even do, which I didn't in the mockups. Or uh, never mind, that wasn't Memphis. Was they could theoretically flip Rubio again and get some sort of other small asset because they wouldn't really need him. Yeah, that much nobody. At that point. No playoff teams really need Rubio though. He he, yeah. he would strike me as a buyout guy. He'd be a buyout um, guy. Maybe maybe you could get a little something from like Orlando to maybe boost their playoff shots a little bit, and his bird rights could have some value to them depending on which conception of the offseason. Sure. That sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, Memphis, I don't know. I think that's, especially considering they get a name back and they get a developmental point guard, I think it's, in some ways, it's more likely that they would do that trade than that Utah would because it's, you know, Exum's their guy. They're giving up a first-round pick. Connolly is super expensive. They're basically punting on their cap space for 2019, which was a part of why I did it, but I could see them being more optimistic. And if I had had Indiana, it would have kind of been a similar approach other than the, the Oladipo injury of the, my, my argument has been for a while that even though those teams have good front offices and have done quality things with space, Utah more than Indiana in the recent, in recent past, it's just hard for me to imagine Utah walking out of July with a better player than Mike Conley, even if his contract is a big one to swallow for another two years after this one. Yeah, and as of now, if they were to move on from Derek Favors' non-guarantee, which is July 6th, so they have plenty of time to make a decision on him. Cal Corver is $3.4 million guaranteed for next year out of his $7.5 million. That guarantee date is July 7th. So if they wanted to move on from that, they still could get to about $30 million or so in space this summer. If they traded for Conley and gave up Exum, that would put them eh, about 10 million or so under the cap and you know at that point you're probably just using your exceptions but that could still be pretty valuable um at, at that point too they would probably just end up guaranteeing favors and then you could still have room to use your full mid-level exception and you know so you basically would think of mike conley on a two-year 65 million dollar deal as your free agent signing at age 31 this offseason which yeah that's not terrible to me that's i think that's we'll see who they would end up signing if anyone you know you could see them just bringing back Rubio and favors but uh, yeah I, I like that we're probably spending too much time uh, on oh, this though yeah I, ahead, there's sorry. something else I want to say about Utah you brought up the middle-level exception Utah is about 10.6 million below the tax they still have their full mid-level exception right now which is pretty incredible i mean we you remember we were banging banging the drum saying they should get bielitsa i still think he would have helped them but yeah. that's a pretty bizarre circumstance to be this far to have this much flex spending power and be as good as utah is and just not use it at all one thing that they might be trying to upgrade with is as a stretch for jay crowder has been effective for them but still is not just like the deadly shooter doesn't have as much size either so uh, they could possibly be a miritich destination if he were on the movie he was i think last year's mock-off season we actually moved miritich to the jazz rather than the pels and a deal like that would probably see Derek Favors get moved out. Now, that would hurt their depth at backup center. Epeudo is pretty rough offensively. I They might be able to, yeah, I mean, if they went with Cephalosha 
and Udo, they could, I think they could get pretty close to trading for Miritich. Might have to throw one more salary in there as well. Maybe like Howell Neto at, at 2 million. Maybe Grayson Allen could be in that deal as a sweetener for the Pels. And then you could hold on to Favors. I'm sure they would rather do that. Although Favors wouldn't be happy about just being made as strictly a backup center for, but you know, they, especially with Gobert, the way he gets in foul trouble a lot, especially during the playoffs, uh, they need a better backup center, I think, than Udo, especially as an offense challenge team. So I think they could find a way to get there with Miritich. Would they want to throw in a first round pick as well? Miritich is also someone they could look to re-sign though. So, I, I mean, I think that's a deal I would look at very seriously also if I were the Jazz. And I think also, you know, what else is interesting to me is if you're not in the Warriors side of the bracket, you make the argument that they have as good a chance as anybody is getting to the Western Conference Finals this year. Like, there is no second team that's just like a monster this year. So this might be a, as good a year to go for it with this group as any. There is a pretty sound argument there. Utah can also say they're bringing back a pretty similar band if they want to next year and the Warriors could be weaker. I mean, it's possible another team will be stronger than they are right now that could be the lakers could be somebody else so it could be a a good time for them to strike and if they can do that without really sacrificing anything that's important to them i mean seems like i mean there's there's definitely a rationale for it yeah this is a team though that's so deep that you mentioned the mid-level i'm not sure that there's anybody on the buyout market who is going to be that sexy now maybe you could say if they had to move favors in a deal somewhere you could get robin lopez on the buyout market they could certainly pay him more i think than just about anybody if they wanted to lopez seems pretty dead set on going to the words but with boogie playing this well maybe he would reevaluate that but you know the sort of the lower level trading a second round they also traded two second rounders for corver already so the lower level improvements buyout second rounder guys they don't really have any financial incentives to move anybody so unless it's going to be a deal where they throw in a significant asset a first rounder maybe if someone is is that into exum exum could certainly be in a a miritich deal as well if new orleans were into him others would probably say no i don't like his salary at 9.6 million the next two years after this one but unless it's going to be a deal where they're throwing in a first i don't see them doing anything because it's just not really going to be an upgrade for them there's not much point in it at this point maybe there's someone who will just be so cheap for a second round pick that it would be worth it but you know or maybe two seconds gets it done or uh or grayson allen gets it done for miritich but it does seem rather unlikely miritich i I expect enough teams to be in the mix for him assuming that they try to move him you ready to move on to minnesota here most likely to be traded i guess we got to do yeah i guess i'll go with favors just because there are a couple conceptions of larger deals that involve him and their their other expiring contracts are either too small or just don't really make as much sense to move so i'll go with favors Oof. i'm gonna say axel I, I think favors uh, they just value him too much he's too important as a backup center for them to to just want to move him with no replacement but i i don't i don't feel strongly about that and exum may be i mean i don't have a good sense for what exum's value is around the league i mean he's you know i don't think he's done anything this year to boost his value so you might be right that it's favors okay let's move to minnesota i think they are very unlikely to do anything much because they're just they're not in a position to give up future assets really they're impacted in terms of their tax situation 3.8 million below the tax they have a number of really bad contracts wiggins jang in particular i think that they feel like they have some talent they've already made a big move this year the playoffs to me aren't realistic enough to really be going for it so i mean i'm not really sure what they could be like hoping to accomplish at this point in time and maybe move tyus jones to a team that values his restricted rights but that you're not going to get a first round pick for that he might still be their point guard of the future teague and rose could be free agents 
So I, I, I'm just not sure what they're even trying to accomplish. It just seems like, okay, you know, we'll stay pat with these guys and try to make the playoffs. And, you know, this group has looked okay when Covington has been healthy. And then, you know, we'll just reevaluate in the offseason, especially considering that their general manager may be a lame duck as well. Over the last month or so, I focused on teams like Orlando as being the potential losers of the early trade deadline. It's possible Minnesota ends up in the same boat where next week they still think they're in it, but then it towards the end of the month they just realize they're not i haven't looked at their schedule to know if that's if that's specifically there but they're also still dealing with so many injuries and like you i have a lot of trouble figuring out which is what they're going for here now derrick rose does have an implicit no trade which means that he can effectively choose his destination because he could just say hey i'm going to veto it to everybody but these three or two or one teams and then and minnesota might just even want to keep him just because he's helping the team they're not going to really get much of an asset especially in that specific context so they also face this awkward situation which we see a couple different places where the guys they might be open to moving are on are on contracts that aren't really movable and then the guys that they want to keep are on more desirable contracts you know like robert covington and Char are good examples there whereas Gorgie Jang is on the other side of that so that to me is the the underpinnings of a team that is largely going to stay still on the trade market yeah Rose you would think could help a team as instant offense but as mentioned he can block a trade he also has his health issues if they could trade Teague let's say you could trade Teague and get back an expiring contract he's got a player option for 19 million next year if you could trade Teague for an expiring contract would you do that I don't think that I would for the basic reason that Minnesota wouldn't really have that much cap space anyway if they cleared him because my my baseline estimate for them is that they're about you know like and it depends on if they do anything with Taj and any of those kind of circumstances that that would clear them to you know around that area we were talking about with Utah in that in one of their hypotheticals where you might as well just use the exceptions and if that's all you can do then I mean why do it yeah to me Gibson and Tolliver are guys that I would just look to move at this point I don't think the playoffs are particularly realistic for them especially with all the injuries that they've had so now neither of those guys is getting you back a first round pick if they wanted to take on money for next year probably not really an option when you're talking about those guys making almost a combined 20 million and as of next year if Teague opts in they only have a, about 15 million below the tax so that's probably not and then if you wanted to re-sign Rose he has a really small cap hold re-sign Tyus Jones even if Teague leaves you would really only have your mid-level available to find yourself a starting point guard so taking on money for next year probably not going to work I mean it would be great if they could move Gibson or, or Tolliver or both and take back a guy who's not good money for next year and pick up a first round pick but I don't know if there are that many teams selling like that at this point and I don't think they can really afford it even if it would be a good asset play so and, and I think they're just trying still to make the playoffs. Gibson is like a big leader. He's respected there. Tolliver is a big leader. So I, I think that aspect, they wouldn't be too happy about moving him. So yeah, it does feel very much like they are going to stay pat. I mean, we haven't heard a single peep about them looking to move anyone or looking to make a trade. So I think they probably are going to just chill here. Most likely to be traded? I'll go with Tolliver. I think that he, you know, he was a part of it right now, but maybe he's not at that point, doesn't have the, the trade veto or anything like that. So I think he makes them 
most sense yeah and, and he's a small enough salary that you could maybe take back someone who's also expiring that can't play at all that you know you could see him them getting something back at least but i, I you know even that i mean is Tolliver even worth a second with the the market we've seen for these expiring contracts eh, you know maybe not it seems like potentially more likely a buyout guy and perhaps by the time you get to march 1st with gibson and Tolliver, they'll be out of it and those guys could get bought out uh, potentially so all right we want to finish up with some trade deadline predictions but i want to tell you about a new sponsor untuck it if you've been wearing dress shirts that don't fit you well it's time to stop doing that untuck it makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked but that actually fit you those big dress shirts aren't meant to be worn untucked they're really long you look like you're wearing tails it's not good these are not too long they're not too short they sent me a few options i i would advise and they they mentioned this on their site as well to get one size larger than you normally would because they are pretty well fitted so i did that i'm usually a large i got an xl fit me perfectly they've got more than 50 fit combinations so you're going to find the one that works for you they've got tall sizes as well which is awesome for me that was really good and my wife thought the the shirts look good on me which is uh that's really what's important here so the way to get started with them is at untuckit.com or you can visit one of their 50 stores across the u.s and canada they offer free shipping and returns on all all orders in the u.s so again they've got all these different fit combinations if it doesn't fit you the way you want you can return it for free and, and find the one that you want make sure you use the promo code capspace though so you can get 20 percent off your first purchase regardless of your shape or size try untuck it to get the perfect fitting shirt and don't forget that promo code capspace a for 20 percent and b to let them know that you came from us all right let's have a little fun here we haven't done any predictions in a while let's start with just kind of a dorky one how many trades will there be between now and the deadline this is just off the cuff here i haven't looked at what the average is just straight up uh i'll go first i'm gonna say we will see eight trades between now and the trade deadline my first thought was seven but i'm gonna go with nine because we might see a couple of those financial based transactions i think the number of impactful ones will be much less maybe like three or four yeah i think you're right it's it's really interesting i think other than the ad stuff which we'll get to to me philly and portland are the two teams that really hold the key to this those are the two teams that especially philly i mean philly needs multiple rotation players to compete in the playoffs i think if if they can get the guys that are really going to work that are two-way guys at the four and and maybe the two i guess really the three and the four would be it they also need a backup center i mean they really need three guys in their rotation who are playoff ready players they've got Fultz. They've got Muscala as salary and they've got an extra first round pick. My hope and expectation is that they will be aggressive with at least one first round pick. I also expect to see that from Portland. So those two teams to me, I mean, I could see Philly making more than one deal. I would be surprised if Portland doesn't do something. And then, so that's on the buyer's side. We've talked a lot about how there aren't enough sellers, there aren't enough sellers. Well, I think actually the mock trade deadline pointed out that there aren't that many buyers who are really willing to be that aggressive. You know, I think there's some teams that would love to get better around the margins, but a lot of those teams are out draft picks. They've got tax concerns. So it becomes harder to upgrade. And then just the recent precedent as well of just even, you know, what a second round pick like doesn't get you shit these days, right? Like, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, a, a decent backup, you know, a seventh or eighth man, like teams won't even give up a second round pick for that kind of guy. You know, I mean, these teams are really stingy. And, you know, I think if you look at 
the top three teams in the east boston toronto milwaukee those are all really deep teams they don't really have an obvious move to make there the warriors don't have an obvious move to make so maybe there just aren't that many buyers especially buyers that are really willing to put in you know a first round pick and go for it do you see any other teams other than philly and portland that would be willing to give up a first round pick in you know a move for for just the the guys that are going to be available for some of these lower level teams obviously you know if we're talking about ad or something like that but ad to me is like i don't see any other stars being on the move or available right now either so outside of a, a move for ad i see maybe two teams that are willing to give up significant assets here there are also compounding that fewer teams that i think are willing to give up a first now to clear future money yeah just because they don't we don't know where the story is going and my read on it right now is that the supply of teams that are left standing when the music stops is going to be enough to fill the demand for clearing salary and as the cap is rising you know these teams might not need to clear a 20 million dollar salary maybe they just need to clear five or ten and so you can do those kind of like i was talking about with portland earlier where you can downgrade on talent and save a few million dollars those sorts of deals could could happen as well with various teams where they you know maybe they're around the cap right now and so they use that filler between the cap and the tax to improve their team a little bit so Portland's Portland is a good example of that on that end where they might just want to see where this plays out and so there are teams that have Detroit is another one where they have the financial reality where maybe they will end up doing something to clear money but they don't want to do it right now because they're okay for this year so the urgency isn't there right now yeah and detroit i think is a good example charlotte is a good example yeah maybe maybe you could see charlotte you know we saw them in the mock trade deadline make the move for gasol but i mean they're just like detroit and charlotte it's like man it's really tough to give up a first round detroit already did that last year charlotte maybe you do it if you can dump biombo and get someone who can play like you know in the mock trade that we haven't get, get gasol but then you also have these sellers like you know let's say dallas oh yeah we'd love to move west matthews or we'd love to move harrison barnes well but they're not willing to take back any salary for next year right so they can't make a deal with portland for for example and west matthews and probably harrison barnes aren't worth a, a first round pick on their own you have to take back the salary. we've seen that time and time again uh, that it's the combination of the player and the one extra year of bad salary that's what gets you the first round pick so even even a team like the bulls has, in theory is like trying to use cap space this summer i don't know if they're willing to take anyone and then you know the bulls other than robin lopez don't have anyone who's going to help a team and robin lopez is not as good of a player as, as what we're talking about with the free availability of centers and the idea that you can just get him on the buyout market later probably so i think that the hawks are going to be very active you know that's one who i think they're clearly willing to take on money the Cavs are willing to take on money but they just don't really have anyone that's that sexy to these teams so i don't know so that takes me into our next thought here give me your five most likely teams to make a trade philly i think is is high on the list just because they have so many things that can be filled new orleans not necessarily anthony davis but the clarification that his trade request provides in terms of doing other sorts of moves yeah and that is actually one thing that i mean they did say they wanted to do he wanted to do the right thing for the organization organization being able to move Miritich and possibly Randall that is actually going to help them to know that now even if again he doesn't want to be traded or, or they don't trade him until the offseason that is really he did them a solid in that regard yeah I, I I agree with that and I agree with your two picks by the way they would be in my top five Atlanta's got to be in there right yeah because they have so many va- I mean we would have said that last year too um 
But yeah, yeah, I think. But, it, but the guys they're trying to trade this year are a little bit better, and, and also Bazemore. I mean, Chris Haynes thought that Bazemore might be the player most likely to be traded in the whole league. Now, after the AD thing, maybe that's you know, uh, Miritich might be that. But I'll, um, I'll put Sacramento in there just because they have to do something. Yeah, it feels the cap like space. Yeah, that they, eleven million in cap space. And then the last one would probably be a team that has that financially. It's just it just makes too much sense not to do it so maybe like that's the raptors because like malachi richardson sure that's a move that pretty much has to happen and it's more urgent than tyler lyden or maybe nick stauskas because nick stauskas has still been a part of the rotation at some point this year yeah i mean you would think okc too i mean to save 25 million dollars by moving abrinas like that's that would have to be up there let me see if there's anyone else i think it's like i mean obviously the lakers would love it if they were a team but i think you know to put i still think it's probably more likely than not that they don't make a move at least not a significant one what about houston i mean the the night for guy who could play plus a first well i mean seems like it's, if, it's pretty likely to happen if they hadn't already made the moves they would have been number one but i think it's possible that they can't find anybody to take on chris and they just cut him and then with knight they'd like to make a move but they just can't figure out the right thing i could see that i could absolutely see that happening so they're they're in probably in the top 10 most likely for me but they're not in the top five i think uh, probably the grizz huh i mean i guess the only i, thing is I don't like... i think there's a chance that they just hold that they hold pat and that guys like jermichael just make a little bit too much money to to make certain deals open yeah and then, then those guys temple jermichael green just get bought out instead yeah, yeah. All right, so so we're in agreement on Atlanta, Philly, Sacramento. Who are your other two? New Orleans. Oh yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, we're in agreement there too. And then Toronto because of Malachi. Okay. I will pick my fifth as well do you want me to give you another one to consider please miami hmm i think i'll go with memphis i mean between conley and gasol and all these guys like someone's it seems likely to move for them to just do nothing especially after like how hopeless the tyreek situation was last year like the, I, hopefully they've learned from that so uh, i'll pick memphis uh, as my last one here portland would certainly be in that mix as well but i i think it's i think they'll tr- they'll be if you want to say who's the most motivated you know portland would be up there but i think just the logistics of that not having any expiring contract could make that a lot more difficult okay five least likely first ones that come to mind san antonio for obvious reasons they don't really <laughs> yeah. do that in season golden <laughs> the, state yeah does it they, they haven't really done it in season either i mean have, and have they, they have they made a single trade in the Kerr era during the season you would think considering i wrote a book on this team that i would be able to have an answer for you but i can't think of one offhand no that they did in season they've done some obviously some off-season yeah, they've stuff. released some guys like they released like Caspi. And stuff. but yeah but no i don't think they have made a trade uh i mean their last in-season trade was 2014 i'm gonna put phoenix in there they've just already done so much this year i i'm not anticipating especially with the reporting that tj they're not particularly interested in trading tj warren maybe they do something with josh jackson but to me that feels more like a summer move than a right now move even though i think that they're making a mistake not a big mistake but a small mistake i'm gonna go with boston because i mean they're so close to the tax it would make such a big difference for them long term just financially it doesn't you know if that doesn't affect their decision making for personnel then more power to them that'd be fantastic but that's there so i think that's only three 
Detroit. Uh, you, yeah, you've got Phoenix, Boston, San Antonio, and Golden State so far. So you're gonna throw Detroit in there. Yeah, because they're just so like it seems like they squared everything up. Like, okay, we're four hundred eighty-four thousand or whatever they are over the uh, under the tax. So that's where we want to be and do and and move from here. And another team like Portland, where they have a bunch of guys that are on multi-year contracts, and that just makes it so much harder to make these clarification moves, like Lure and Langston Galloway and it just gets hard okay so i'll stick with san antonio and golden state as well i will throw in minnesota i will throw in let's see here's some some other candidates i don't agree with you on phoenix boston or detroit i mean i don't think any of them are like likely to make a move but they wouldn't be at the bottom for me I don't really see what Washington is going to do. I mean, there's like talk they're trying to move out of Porter, but it, I mean, I guess I guess they're so far far enough in the tax so they'll try and do something. So all right, they're, they're out. Um, you know, if Thon Maker hadn't made this trade request, I would have picked the Bucks. I think I'll pick the Bucks anyway, unless I can find a better one. I don't think the Clippers are particularly likely to do anything. I don't think the Pacers are particularly likely to do anything. Although maybe if this slide without Oladipo continues, maybe they could be motivated. And I don't think Denver is particularly likely to do anything either. So um, Denver is going to be in there for me. Okay, so so mine is going to be San Antonio, Golden State, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and Denver are the least likely, my five least likely to make a trade. How are we, we going to score this? We're probably going to forget to score this, so that's how we'll score it. No, I'm leaving i'm leaving it in the document <laughs> well I, I think you just go with how many how many you get right okay yeah that seems fine i mean but i guess if like one of these teams makes like two trades then it's even worse right so so i think maybe that's maybe what you should do is just, no, no uh, that's the tiebreaker the tiebreaker yeah. is number of trades the okay. number of teams correct is i think the the first like that's the first def- definitive thing and then if there's if there's a tie that needs to be broken it's a number of transactions or we could theoretically make it actually the tiebreaker should be number of players moved in transactions i think <laughs> that's a more fair tiebreaker because i'm a gigantic nerd with this stuff okay um i I will leave it to you to to write that down uh here's the the big one though when does anthony davis get moved and where does he get moved i will go first okay i think he gets moved or a trade will be agreed to on or around the time of the draft and I believe he will be traded to the Boston Celtics. I've bounced around on this a lot over the last few days. I mean, even just when I recorded with Golliver on, I think that was Tuesday morning, I said that I thought it was over 50% chance that Davis would get traded. I'm tempering- You're talking about before, before the deadline. Yes, that was my that was what I thought. I am now tempering that partially due to the subsequent reporting that has happened over the last couple of days that the Pelicans are becoming more comfortable with it. Incidentally, already taking him out of the team materials in some ways for me makes it less likely that he gets traded just because oh, yeah. you would you would wait to do that until he's actually gone if it were to happen in a week. I, it's just kind of like I, I don't yeah. know. I, I think that there's there's a little something there. So I'll go with I mean. <sighs> So you don't think it's fair to just say the day of the day of the moratorium? Well, it's also true, actually. Now that I think about it, if if it's that well, long, I, I think it's whenever. It, what we're doing is as soon like the day that the tweet is made is reported. Anthony Anthony Davis, you know, as soon as the New Orleans Pelicans have agreed to trade Anthony Davis to blank, when that tweet comes out, that's the day we're doing. Okay, I will go with draft night specifically on draft night and that he goes to God, boston has the most assets and i yeah, and if, if it doesn't happen now it's got to be boston right unless right it's like some shit happens with Kyrie and he leaves well and 
the Lakers offer just can't really get that much better. And we don't know how those guys are going to look after this year. Like to me, the volatility in the Lakers young player valuation, that volatility goes, you know, th- yeah. th- there's more downside than upside. Yeah. For Maybe those Lonzo guys, Ball comes back. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe they suck in the playoffs. Maybe they miss the playoffs. Uh, or maybe Lonzo Ball comes back or Brandon Ingram has a breakout playoffs like, you know, Jalen Brown did last year or something. You know, I mean, that, it's possible it could, that that could look a lot better. Maybe Jason Tatum has a terrible playoffs. Maybe Jason Tatum, you know, injures himself. I mean, that's that. I mean, that to me is like, I mean, Dan was like, yeah, I can't agree to trade J- Jason Tatum right now. And I think the Pels are like, well, you know, what if Jason Tatum like has a severe injury between now? It's just, it's just too much time to really come to an agreement. I think the best you can do right now is just to say, yeah, he's really important. And, you know, we're going to beat, we will beat whatever else of offers out there. You agree that we have the best assets. So whatever other offers you have, we will beat that. But, you know, we can't commit to a specific offer now. You know, I think that's as far as you could realistically go if you're boss. And honestly, right, it would so basically be irresponsible for New Orleans to expect anything else. I'm sorry, say that again. It would be irresponsible for Bo- for New Orleans to expect anything from Boston other than that. Right. You can't, you can't yeah. ex- and, and say, also hey, be, let's sign the yeah. papers now that we're going to take players X, Y, and Z. Yeah. No, Glenn Taylor is the only one who would do that. Um. Okay. So I, I think we can wrap it up here. This has been a fun start to the trade deadline. We still got a lot more to come here next week. Obviously, we'll have a two-part episode, no doubt, on the trade deadline itself, assuming that there are enough trades to warrant it. And don't forget about our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue, in which we will be posting updated salary sheets at the time of every trade that comes down, basically as fast as I can enter the numbers into my Excel. I also want to thank Blue Chew for helping us keep the lights on here. They are the first chewable with FDA approved active ingredients with the same active ingredient as Cialis and Viagra. It's not just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants to improve his experience in the bedroom. It's prescribed online, ships straight to your door. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free with that familiar cap space code. All you gotta do is pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U, chew, bluechew.com, promo code cap space to try it free with just $5 shipping. 